Well, hello, pitches. Welcome to Pitch Slapped, the Pitch Perfect fandom podcast. My name's Kaylee Hillier, and I've been a fan of Pitch Perfect since the shower scene. Here on Pitch Slapped, we like to try and cover a whole range of uh, Pitch Perfect and whatever that might mean to us or to you, covering everything from the actors and the actresses to the fan works, looking at the movies, just like everything in one. And uh, it is just a great, great time. I love it. Even some of the crazy places that we go. And for this week, we're going to be taking a look at probably one of the most famous scenes, especially if you're a Chloe fan. We've talked about this before on the podcast the shower scene, but specifically the song, Titanium, that has just been immortalised by Becca and Chloe. We've also got some fan fiction highlights to take a look at for today, including a COVID fic, a odd story about um, tits, I'm just going to say it, and a bird. So much to get through, so without further ado, let's get into it. Taking a look at our actor news this week, there's a whole host of things going on, so it's kind of like really tricky to just keep a tab on everything. Starting off, we've got Elizabeth Banks, who's on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, talking about her podcast called My Body and more things. She's always doing an eclectic mix of things, Elizabeth Banks. It's amazing. Elsewhere, if you're in Australia, Rebel Wilson has released her first children's book. I am slightly gutted that you can't get it anywhere else. But if you're in, like, Australia or New Zealand, it is out. It's called Bella the Brave, and it came out on the 27th of October. And I'm intrigued so intrigued by this whole concept and apparently a lot of it kind of draws from Rebel's own experiences as well and obviously I mean I don't know where she might have got the name Bella from but it does seem to be fairly apt for a name just saying Chrissy Fit is celebrating the release of Woman is Losers which is now out on HBO Max Obviously, lots going on for Hayley Steinfeld. We've got Hawkeye coming out on November the 24th, Dickinson season three, November the 5th. And as we're ever getting closer, I mean, Dickinson is literally coming out next week. As we're ever getting closer to these releases, more and more stuff is just out on social media. I'm so excited. It's keeping me alive right now. Shelley Regner's been quite busy. She's uh, got a new show that's on YouTube called We're Being Haunted and it's about a young couple who move into a new home that is haunted by a ghost and the antics that happen with that. There's at least three episodes and it looks like there's more to come and it's really interesting to see Shelley kind of dabbling in a bit of YouTube and sort of online content as well. She's done a lot of stage stuff and so kind of going into new media is quite an interesting one. So I'm intrigued to see where that's going to go. And of course, finally, Anna Kendrick released Love Life Season 2 on HBO Max. So again, if you're in like the States and other places, 
you're probably watching it now but not if you're in the UK because it's not here yet probably have to wait a few months like we did the first time but I'm still excited and ready to go also this week just as a side note I'm sure a lot of you were well excited by the kind of like mini Bella's reunion that we saw on like Instagram and it's not like a big thing but it I feel like as fans, it is like a big deal when they have these little mini Bella reunions. Obviously, there was the Rebels' birthday sort of trip and there were loads of them on that. And here we've got like another little mix of Bellas. There was Chrissy Fitt, Anna Camp, Esther Dean, Rebel Wilson, Shelley and Brittany all together and just more Bella antics. Even this far from the films, just seeing them together again just ignites something within me and it's just so exciting. That being said, we need to delve into today's uh, main topic as we're going to look at Titanium and we've got some fan fiction coming up. So let's take a look at the wonder that is Titanium. Honestly, I don't quite know where to begin with this one because this felt like a bit of a mammoth task just for the fact that this song is just so iconic not only is it quite an iconic song in terms of the pitch perfect movies and becca and chloe the shower scene and just everything that that kind of entailed it's also just an iconic song from that era between sort of 2010 and 2020 like if I do gigs and I play Titanium, the first few bars just have to ring out and people are pretty clued in into what song it is that's playing. And more often than not, people love it. It's one of those few songs that kind of just reach another level and it, it just doesn't ever seem to get old. I think especially from Pitch Perfect, it has like a soft place in my heart. So uh, I'm pretty sure it probably has for a lot of people as well. And I must admit, like, for me, this is Becca and Chloe's song. It might only have featured for a small snippet of the movie. This is their song. Like, of all the songs from the movies that I would say was Big Chloe, Titanium is the one. And my dream one day would be potentially Becca and Chloe doing a... Becker and Chloe doing an acoustic version of Titanium. That would be amazing. Just imagine it. First dance, acoustic, Titanium or something. I mean, so many options. Just, uh, just so good. So as I was taking a look at Titanium, and we're going to take a look at the song today, there's like loads of random little like bits of information that kind of just encapsulate this song. And obviously we love it from Pitch Perfect, but it had a whole life before that and beyond that as well. Titanium by DJ producer David Guetta. Featuring vocals by Sia. And this was actually taken from David Guetta's fifth studio album, Nothing But The Beat. The song was written by Sia, David Guetta, Giorgio and Afrojack. And it was originally released as one part of the four promotional singles for the album in August 2011, but was later released as the album's fourth single in December 2011. So, like, it's officially, like, pretty much 
coming up to 10 years old of titanium which in and of itself is quite a feat and quite a celebration i mean this song is a big song and it's like really cool to kind of look at it now and sort of look back at the success that it's had 10 years later and i feel like with something like titanium it it trickled out there and i feel like it's gotten bigger with age when it first came out it attained top 10 positions in several countries including australia canada france italy and the us but it peaked at number one in the uk it was the only country to uh, that i know of that had it peak at number one that's pretty cool being from the uk i mean it's titanium so yeah like it's just it's one of those things that has just i would almost say got better with age because of where it has been used and it's being played so much now people recognize it people know it and it is one of those kind of house dance tracks that the mainstream have fallen in love with speaking of the conception of the song sia wrote the lyrics apparently and the lyrics were done in 40 minutes which like it's astonishing obviously like people create things in different ways and in different paces and and songs can take weeks or months to create sometimes they take a really short time but it's crazy to think that this song that we've all come to love and has just kind of gone down in music history as as the iconic song that it is literally took 40 minutes for the lyrics to come out obviously like i don't know how long it took david gutter to create the instrumental but uh, Sia tweeted, it's amazing that 40 minutes of my life and zero promo turned into my most successful song to date. Crazy. And speaking of the conception of the song, obviously Sia wrote the lyrics, but she wasn't apparently looking online and kind of digging through the research. She wasn't the first person chosen to sing the song. And there's like a whole story behind this. The song was originally featuring the vocals of Mary J. Blige, whose version was leaked online back in July 2011. And actually, if you go online, you can actually listen to Mary J. Blige's version. It is, uh, it's different. It's very different. I was quite surprised when, uh, when I saw that. I would never have... Hearing the song now and how I know it, I could never imagine Mary J. Blige doing the song. But I think that's just because we're just so used to the original version. And after Mary J. Blige, it went through a number of different people before it landed with Sia. According to the New York Times, David Gutter sent Sia's management 10 instrumental tracks. And the only one that she liked was this instrumental track that became Titanium because of the guitar riff. And... Apparently, she first thought that it was for Alicia Keys. Gutter tried to invite other hit singers to replace Sia's demo vocal. And for a time, it landed at Katy Perry. And when she got the song, she advised Getter to leave it as it was. Perry said, apparently, 
I had just come off a firework and I didn't want to repeat myself. I have to balance out my anthems or else I'll just become a motivational speaker. I was like, I think you're crazy not just going to keep Sia. And obviously we know that David Guetta followed Perry's suggestion and uh, kept the demo version of Titanium. So as we look back at the 10 years, obviously Titanium has become quite an iconic song. And I think not only in the minds of looking back and kind of being a fan of it, but it also was quite a big moment or a big song in what was happening at the time. Back in sort of 2011, dance music was becoming more mainstream. You had pop stars like Britney Spears doing stuff. R&B stars like Rihanna and Usher adding their vocals to kind of house dance music. You look at David Guetta and he'd had people like Kelly Rowland. When Loves Takes Over, he also had Fergie with Getting Over You. So like he's used to these collaborations, even without you featuring Usher. But it's Titanium that has become his most influential and popular song Speaking about the track, David Guetta told Artist Direct that the song is interesting because it's different from anything else on the album. All of the guests on the album are from pop and R&B and Titanium is a little bit like a UFO flying over it all because Sia is more of an indie artist. She wanted to give it to another artist but I felt her voice is so incredible and the song is so emotional that I really wanted her to stay on it. The song also uses some acoustic elements, which is very different from what I usually do, and I think it makes it very interesting. It also played a key role in launching dance music more into the mainstream. It cemented David Gutter as a go-to producer, and uh, Sia, obviously known for, at the time, for her, her songwriting, that's kind of what she did, things like Diamonds by Rihanna and Katy Perry's Change to the Rhythm. But this also kind of put her more into the mainstream as well. The song has also been used quite often in the media. Obviously, let's just <laughs> start it off where it, it needs to be. 2012, the pitch perfect shower scene. Introducing us to the one that really is Chloe. I mean, this is... It's not the meet cute because they have that at the activities fair, but there is something about this scene. It really just cements those two and, and the eye contact. I mean, we've gone through it. You could just gush over the shower scene any day. But it probably is one of the most iconic scenes from the movie. And just the simplistic way that they, which they use the song there's no instruments, it's literally the two girls singing Titanium. The only weird thing, and, and let's, uh, sorry Becca Mitch, we're going to have to shame you here, is the fact that, like, it was already pretty popular in its release. Like, Titanium, back in 2011, when it, like, well, end of 2011, when it, like, really got out there, people knew it. I mean, I remember doing gigs and people liked Titanium, and I remember sitting in the cinema watching Pitch Perfect 1 and just being like, Becca Mitchell, how, how on earth can you think that Chloe Beale is not going to know this song? Like, you know David Guetta? What? <laughs> yeah, no. Calm down, Becca. 
your music snobbery at this moment is putting you to shame. That's all I'm going to say. More recently, I haven't seen it because it didn't come out in the UK. Apparently, Titanium was also featured in the show Perfect Harmony in 2019, which Anna Camp was in. So uh, kind of almost came full circle. A famous version of Titanium was done by the Piano Guys in 2013. They released a mashup of Titanium with the classical piece Pervain by Gabriel Feuer. And more recently, in 2020, the 80s singer Rick Astley released a a piano forte cover on YouTube of Titanium. And even in the Eurovision Song Contest, the most recent one, I believe, the song was used by Afrojack. And who would have thought that uh, it would come back in the form of the Eurovision Song Contest? So, uh, it is just one of those songs. I mean, to be fair, it's so well known that, you know, it really gets people going, people get excited by it. And because of the message of the song, one of the main things that kind of came out and Sia kind of alludes to this about the conception of the song's lyrics is that she wanted to talk about something that was bulletproof. And so, like, I think that's one of the things about this song is it is an uplifting song. The message is taking, you know, it's taking this metal and using it as as a metaphor for for that resilience that, you know, you could be bulletproof no matter what's happening around you, no matter what things people say. And I know for me, like, I love belting the lyrics out to this song i can never like this song is insanely hard to try and sing like you i'll be driving in the car like karaoke or whatever and let's let's be fair like you have got to be a very good singer to be able to do titanium like i'm sorry like there are high notes in this song but it doesn't mean you're not going to try irrespective you want to sing along and the music and the song and the message, the lyrics just uplift you. They really do kind of take you to another place. And it's one of the things I love about Titanium. Now, obviously, we are looking at like the 10th anniversary of the song. And for Billboard, David Gutter recently did an interview talking about Titanium. It was kind of amazing to see him looking back on this song and kind of what it meant to him and he just mentions in this article he says it's amazing of course and it's probably the song that makes me the proudest in my career it's one of the biggest record breakers of my career also but at the time it was so different that we didn't release it as the first single or as the second single or even as the third single right before nothing but the beat I came with a new sound where I was mixing European electronic culture with American culture. But at the end, we decided to release Titanium. And when I went completely different again with something that was kind of indie pop and very emotional, I promise you, no one was expecting this record to be so big. We didn't see it coming. It's funny because, of course, today you listen to it And it's such a smash. But at the time, we didn't know. And I think, 
like it's crazy it's crazy to think that 10 years on you look back and you you think man how could they not have thought that this was gonna be a big song out of all the songs from the album this is the one that people remember the most there are some very good songs on that album as well like i love without you featuring usher but there is something about titanium and it's crazy to think that you know it almost didn't get released as a single and it was a little bit out there left field in terms of what else was happening at the time and so they just released it thinking well we'll just do it it might not be that great the way you can see this especially is when you look at the music video because the music video is the weirdest thing ever like like i remember a few years ago watching the music video for the first time and i was so disappointed i was just like how on earth is whatever this is the music video for this iconic song and it's because they didn't think it was going to be a smash so they literally did the most budget cheap music video that they could think of like apparently cost sort of next to nothing they didn't want to invest in it and yet it became the biggest song of david getter's career it's crazy so yeah shocking and yet we look back now and we're just grateful that this song even exists because without it i don't think that the shower scene would have been the same and that being said like i was wondering i was kind of thinking you know was there ever a point when it could have been a different song like had they ever planned for this to be different because in parts of pitch perfect the songs have changed but i can't see anything out there that intimates that it was going to be different at any point it seems to be that they were pretty set on titanium which kind of makes sense i mean if you look at the time period titanium you know came out just before and really kind of took off so it's understandable that a really popular song at the time would have been chosen and it's also in the script you know they say david getter's name unless i get any different information it just it feels amazing that out of all of the songs that maybe they chopped and changed this one they were so solid about they were so sure about and i think that really shows in the scene and the fact that how strong that scene is and how strong the music is in that scene just all comes together i mean it's just amazing and now i just want to go and watch it so that is titanium by david getter featuring sia and my word what a great song and now I'm going to go away and listen to it and maybe sing along. But before that, we have got some fan fiction highlights to look over. Let's do it. We have an eclectic mix of fan fiction. Starting off, If the World Was Ending, You'd Come Over, right? By Epihara on AO3. The summary says, Becca and Chloe parted ways... A year and a half ago, but when lockdown is forced upon the state of California, Chloe is in town for a vet conference. Becca doesn't know where else to turn. 
fear and panic grip her, and she turns to the only home she has ever known. This is a one-shot, and I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this story. I was not anticipating or expecting where this was going to go at all. I kind of read the summary and kind of thought in my head how the storyline was going to go, but it was completely different. And I really enjoyed that. It's not very long at all, but it just felt that there was a lot contained within this story. And partly it did make me want to kind of know what was going to happen next. There was a whole heap of, well, you're not going to end it there. Like, how is this going to keep going? Not that that needs to happen, but I loved that it made me want more. But one thing that really touched me with this story, it really centers around Becca. And I really liked how it kind of took something that was very relevant to us. I mean, we're all going through COVID and lockdowns and coming out of COVID and all that type of thing. But having a story where it kind of harkened back to what it felt like going into lockdown. And I remember that period of time and I look back maybe sort of 18 months ago or, or however long it was. It really did make me stop and think about the feelings that I had when it was announced that here in the UK we're going to go into lockdown and the mixed bag of emotions that that brought. And we get this kind of situation. This this story is kind of set after Pitch Perfect three it feels like and what's happened after everything and and where the bellas have gotten to what how chloe and beck's relationship is but we, we are taken to becker working in the studio and the reaction of when lockdown gets announced and so you have your own feelings over this because obviously we've gone through it But then you also get to kind of see Becca digesting this and what effect it's having on her. And so I just I just found that fascinating and quite therapeutic in a way. And there was a whole bunch of anxiety that Becca has over this announcement. As an overthinker myself and somebody who often struggles with anxiety, I loved this. I found it very therapeutic to read into the mind of this character, into the mind of Becca, and to some level understanding what she was going through, not in exactly the same way, but just, you know, the fact that it was written down, how she was feeling, what her thoughts were, and maybe how she's computing everything, just made me feel a little bit more seen. And the tension that's created in this story, all to the point when she then has the moment she meets up with Chloe just leads really strongly and you're just kind of waiting for that release. It was just a fascinating kind of little insight into that and it just, yeah, it just really like made me think. Going from that one to the ridiculous is a story called My Tits Are Bigger Than Yours by Ice Dragon. The summary says, what happens when you tell Becca Mitchell she can't do something? Ridiculous shenanigans is what happens. AKA, half of the Bellas don't believe Becca is busty enough to beat Stacey in a pretty ridiculous competition. And this is a pretty ridiculous competition. This story is on AO3. And I just, I am fascinated to know where on earth this idea for a story came from. Because... I get a certain amount of joy 
over just the ridiculousness of some stories. Not in a bad way, by any stretch of the imagination. Just a great sense of joy that this scene, this situation, this scenario has come out of somebody's head and has ended up on paper and then we get to just enjoy the ride. Because who knows where these things are going to go? Love it. I absolutely love it. And this one, I mean, you know something's up, even from the title. I mean, you can't take that seriously, surely. But uh, so going into the story, I I already knew that this was going to be a ridiculous ride. And I love that with the Bellas as well. You knew from the summary this was going to involve Bellas and especially Stacey. And so I was, I was so ready for it, like so ready. And I loved how they set the stage because I kind of dove into the story. Like, okay, give me it. I'm, I'm so ready. I just want to like know it all. And they really do set the stage of what this whole scenario and how it's built up. You're already tense and ready to kind of find out. And they're like, no, let me just set this for you. With uh, the situation, there's like frat guys that are at a party and they're talking and this is set Becca and Stacey off in a little bit of a debate and now the Bellas are getting involved and suddenly you have like all the Bellas getting involved which love it when it's like a whole Bellas shenanigans situation there's like inklings of Strawberry and Big Chloe in there as well and this is like a face-off between Becca and Stacey and I love that there's something about the Becca and Stacey dynamic I think because like you've got the tall and the short one and they're like polar opposites in some ways and yet they're both quite feisty and so like they're having this face-off and then it kind of drops into what they're having this face-off about which is who has like the biggest rack I suppose you would say the biggest hits whatever you want to say and also how they decide on the winner I think was ingenious how enough they thought of this I have no idea but I loved every second of it and like the more I was reading and the like Becca and Stacey having this debate and then they deciding how they were gonna like sort it out and them doing the actual competition it just went like levels of ridiculousness more and I was all here for it like totally I just loved it it was so much fun and just bizarre and I, get, I remember getting to the end of this story and just being like that was a fun ride <laughs> I don't know where I am right now but my word that has taken me to places I didn't know it was going to take me And the final story I wanted to highlight for this week is called A Most Gentle Touch by Rejection Isn't Failure. The summary says an urgent text sent to Chloe demanding that she return back to the Bella's house ASAP is enough to leave anyone shaken. And although it is totally not what she expects, she can't say she isn't secretly thrilled with what she finds. This story is available on AO3 and... This is a one shot as well, and I was quite shocked actually with how on earth this story went. I was not prepared for this. I was kind of, I mean, it's fairly lighthearted, but at the same time, it was just, it's very deep in a way that I didn't anticipate. And 
how everything rolls out and the and the, you know the topic of this emergency that, she, that Chloe ends up getting drawn into was completely not ready for what transpired and I don't think Chloe was to some extent either what I loved is that it there's a lot of in-depth information that I felt I received as I was reading through the story there's a lot of setting the scene and describing what the characters are feeling but also and all of that just added all these lovely little details that really allowed me to to visualize what was happening and imagine it and to see it it all starts off with Chloe in her Russian lit class and I could totally relate to Chloe being in a boring class and she's looking over here and somebody's on FaceTime and just like really setting the scene and re really allowing you to kind of visualize what Chloe's going through what she's experiencing and from this like calm and just kind of like bored state that Chloe's in suddenly getting this message and then just kind of like having to get to the Bella's house as quickly as possible but there's also all these little details within the story that just kind of really bring it to life and just round it out and strengthen it to the point where Chloe gets to the emergency and a lot of this involves Becca and I loved how because this story centers around Chloe you get Chloe's insight as she's slowly discovering all these things that are coming out and obviously she cares for Becca and and that's added in on top there are some really funny lines in this there's that that also just add to so that it doesn't become really a really heavy story is it does kind of just it just becomes very endearing and I loved how it just kind of shaped Becca and Chloe's relationship even though a big chunk of the story is Chloe just observing Becca but the the writer had found like a really ingenious way of bringing us like a new take on a kind of Chloe story and introducing us to maybe like new factors or aspects of characters that could have been that are really tender and, and this one just focuses on maybe a part of Becca and things that she learnt as a child and how that's transpired now and you got to kind of see a whole new side of a character maybe a more tender side that you wouldn't have maybe explored in a different in another way so like I was just like I was just very pleasantly surprised by this story and just like brought into this little world and what was happening just as Chloe was and then obviously when you get to that point and then you kind of go further than that and then you get to see Chloe and Becca and what transpires after Becca knows Chloe's there and how they both react in this situation and it just yeah it just became such an endearing story I loved it so much fun those are our fix for this week thank you so much for listening and if you want to keep up to date with the podcast we are on Tumblr Instagram Facebook and Twitter you can also hit that subscribe button to keep up to date whenever we post an episode wherever you're listening to your podcasts and it helps a lot if you enjoyed the episode if you enjoy the podcast to write a little review or just share what you enjoyed thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next time pitches <laughs>